Therefore, take up the whole armor of God, so that you may be able to withstand on that evil day, and having done everything, to stand firm. And now, battle ready with Father Dan Rehill. Good day. Welcome to Battle Ready. Let's pray in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Father in heaven, all creation rightly gives you praise, for all life and all holiness comes from you. In the plan of your wisdom, she who bore the Christ in her womb was raised body and soul in glory to be with him in heaven. May we follow her example in reflecting your holiness and join in her hymn of endless love and praise. We ask this through Christ our Lord. Amen. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Good morning, Mom. How are you? Good morning. Very well. And you? Good, wonderful. Always wonderful. And when we have a solemnity of the Blessed Mother, today is the solemnity of her assumption into heaven, body, and soul. It's a great feast day. It is. Yes. And it's very special to me for two reasons. First, it's my son Brian's birthday. Happy birthday, Brian. Happy and birthday, Brian. It's also the day my dear mother-in-law passed away at 46 years old. And she was like a mother to me. So, um, special day for our family. How long ago was that? Was it like 56 years ago? Uh, it was 55 years ago. Terry was 11 days old when she passed, so I can always pinpoint it by how old Terry is. Fif uh, 55 years ago. Imagine that. Yeah, it's a long time. Yeah. So, this feast day of Mary gives all of us great hope. Uh, Jesus rose from the dead and he ascended to heaven by his own power because he's God. But we too are meant to be in heaven and it's what we're created for. So Mary is a human person like we are. She's not divine. And so her transformation and birth into heaven is a forerunner of what we are aspiring to. So the question is, what is the relevance of the assumption for us today? Uh, I think we can say that Mary is in heaven, she made it, and we need to get there too. We're still here in the battle. But she's our mother. Jesus gave her to us as our mother at the cross. And what do mothers do? They watch over their children, they pray and intercede for their children, and that's what Mary does for us. And she has appeared many times throughout the years, and always leading us to her son. So I guess we can turn to scripture for uh, this feast day. Uh, beginning with Genesis, Mary is uh, mentioned not by name, but by what she will do in the future. Genesis 3.15, the, the Lord God said to the serpent, I will put enmity between you and the woman and between your seed and her seed. He shall bruise your head and you shall strike his heel. So that's right in the beginning of the Bible. And God is revealing his plan. And at the heart of the plan are the woman and her seed. So her seed is Jesus, and he's the one who will crush Satan. But Mary is very much in that plan. So all the statues you see of Mary, most of them, you'll see her with her foot on the serpent. And uh, that's, that's her role. She's going to crush the head of the serpent. And then uh, from the readings at Mass today, from Revelations 12, well, it starts with a great sign appeared in the sky, a woman clothed with the sun, with the moon under her feet, and on her head a crown of 12 stars. That's exactly the way the visionaries in Medjugorje see her. 
that's how she appears. She comes in a, a great light like the sun. She's got the stars over her head and under her feet is the moon. Um, interesting, uh, Yakov was, I think he was 10 years old when this all began. And when he described how Our Lady looked, he said, well, she has the 12 stars around her head, but she doesn't have that metal pipe holding them up like we see in the church. You know, they were just <laughs> held up mm, mm-hmm. miraculously, but from the, a 10-year-old's mouth. And then further in uh, Revelation, on uh, verse 4, 12, 4, then the dragon stood before the woman about to give birth to devour her child when she gave birth. That when I was preparing for this and I, I took that scripture line, the, it just jumped out at me that that's what abortion is. The dragon is standing in front of the woman about to give birth, pregnant, and he wants to devour her child. It just is chilling. Once I, once I saw it that way, it just chills me. Mm-hmm. So there you have it. Uh, the beginning and the end of the Bible, Genesis and Revelation, the first book, the last book. And, and the image, you know, is also Guadalupe has her standing uh, in front of the sun with the moon under her feet. And yes. in fact, you know, those, those Aztec Indians, they were sacrificing their children to demons. Yes. And it was when they converted to Catholicism through Guadalupe, uh, they gave that practice up. And something like, I think, 8 million people came into the church in a very quick amount of time. So, uh, again, it was, you know, it's always the children. The devil's always after the mm-hmm. children. And on the cloak in Our Lady of Guadalupe, they're covered, her cloak is covered with stars. Yeah, it was actually the constellation that appeared that day in the heavens that she appeared. Mm-hmm. So, yes, this is a big day. And But you might have noticed <laughs> there is no scripture about the Assumption. No. And this is a huge stumbling block for the Protestants because they only believe in it has to be in the Bible or it's not real, which is ridiculous because <laughs> well, I'm not in the Bible and I'm real. What, when, when you think about Jesus, who is God, being in her womb, he could, God couldn't let her body rot in the ground and turn to dust like we will because it touched the divine. I mean, common sense tells you that, that she's different than us. In that way. Yes. And even if you go back to the Old Testament and you look at all the detail and the labor that went into creating the Ark of the Covenant, and nobody could touch that Ark but a priest. And in fact, one day, somebody who was not a priest went to steady it because it looked like it was tipping over. His name was Uzzah. And Uzzah was struck dead because it was forbidden that anybody touch the Ark but a priest. That was a box made of gold. So how much more is Our Lady going to be perfectly crafted by God to contain literally God himself, not the symbols that stand for God, which stood, which were inside the tabernacle. This is actually God himself. And uh, because she's, she is truly a human tabernacle uh, and was kept perfect and pristine and immaculate and had no sin, well, the wage of sin is death, but she had no sin. So there was no death in this woman, which means uh, many of the mystics have said this, that she stopped aging at 33 because uh, God had designed that she would not age past the age of her son's life on earth. And so, and she would have had no signs of aging. 
because she she would mature to perfection her whole life and then at the at the peak of her life she was held perfectly at 33 years even though she lived into her 50s and that's kind of one of the things that bugs me about the passion of the christ because the actress they picked for that role i mean she looked like she'd been through war and back she mm. she so tired looking and just she really looked like she had death all over her. i mean i know she she played the part well but they could have picked somebody that really depicted a miraculous state of grace that our lady would have been in hmm. well uh, yes i see what you mean because in many of the other uh, films about the passion she she does look very young but nonetheless i mean it, it the point was made uh-huh. uh, well in the movie but um yes yeah, so she at the end of her life it's a very interesting story. It's, of course, it's not in the scriptures, but many of the uh, writings of some of the other uh, apostles, which were not included in the Bible, but nonetheless, people refer to them widely. Uh, they they give an account that the apostles all were drawn by angels back home for this event, and it was Thomas who missed the boat. <laughs> <laughs> Thomas again. Poor Thomas, and uh, when he arrived. Uh, she had already went up to heaven, but he they gave him access to go into the tomb where they were where her body was being held, and he was the one that got to discover she's no longer here mm. because they reopened it for him so that he could say goodbye and she was gone. So an amazing story, an, an amazing uh, gift this this event where she gets to go uh, with her body to heaven. So it would be Jesus has a body, Mary has a body, but the rest of them, not yet. So she's a forerunner. Yeah. And and giving us hope of what it will be one day. Of course. So the first part of the plan was Jesus conquering Satan and the cross. And then there's more. Uh, Mary remained and helped the apostles start the new church. And... Uh, I'm I'm sure that her presence was very helpful to them because she was an eyewitness to so many things. And on Pentecost, the church is born. The flames of fire rain down. Mary becomes the mother of the church, and we become the sons and daughters of the church. And the final battle will be won, will be won when Jesus returns in glory. Well, uh, Our Lady has a special place in this in this victory in this plan of God's. And in all of our apparitions, in her apparitions, she asks us, her children, to pray more because we're still in the battle with Satan. We are. In Fatima, Our Lady promised that her heart would triumph. Now, that's still relevant today. We haven't seen the triumph yet. And so we're waiting for that anxiously. Uh, And we can help Our Lady to win this victory for her heart to triumph. And so I think that's where we are in, in this grand scheme of things so what did our lady ask for she asked specifically in um in fatima for the first five saturdays devotion she asked us to recite the rosary every day to do daily penances and make sacrifices especially for the conversion of sinners and to consecrate ourselves to her immaculate heart well i don't think this has been followed a great deal there is the remnant that does it but it isn't um you know, the churches aren't packed on First Saturday. Uh, but uh, we can we can uh, continue to do this and uh, help to bring about her victory. So 
uh, one of the messages from Medjugorje, uh, and when she asked for these things and asked for our help, is from February 25th, 1992. Dear children, today I invite you to draw still close to God through prayer. Only that way will I be able to help you and to protect you from every attack of Satan. I am with you and I intercede for you with God that he protect you. But I need your prayers and your yes. I'm going to repeat that. I need your prayers. Then she continues, you get lost easily in material and human things and forget that God is your greatest friend. Therefore, my dear little children, draw close to God so he may protect you and guard you from every evil. Thank you for having responded to my call. So there you have it. Many, many messages. She says, I need your help. Yeah. So we, we can do our part in the spiritual battle of our modern world. Uh, we can advance the triumph of Mary's Immaculate Heart. And let's face it, when that comes, everything is going to be better for us. So we should want to get there quicker. Mm-hmm. So uh, this past Friday, a group of us out here... Uh, decided to start up yet another prayer group because we see what's going on in the world and how much we need prayer and how much we need each other. So a group of 11 of us met to pray and uh, our prayers can have a ripple effect. We pray and the graces ripple out to others. And when I was thinking about that, I was thinking about how long I prayed for you when you were away from the church. So for 20 years I prayed and it wasn't answered right away, obviously. But I was thinking how God arranges things in that time when you're praying. And I was thinking of the priest in Medjugorje that you went to confession to and how he told you uh, when you came back and met him years later how he had been praying for you every day. So possibly my prayers and the prayers of others were in, uh, involved in arranging this situation where God was getting Father Branamir to pray for you. So he's in charge, he's arranging everything, and if you don't see an answer, just trust that he's putting things in place for the big for the big conversion. You see, you see that, right? Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's so, like Monica, you know, if she hadn't prayed all those years, she might have not become a saint. Yeah. Yep. So the praying strengthens us. And the being together, I think, right now is very important. Uh, we need we need other believers to be with and to um, to share with. And so that's what we did. We started it. We're going to do it about once a week, and um, it just helping Our Lady win the victory. So I just want to say that it's not hard to start a prayer group. I know people think it is. But really, honestly, all you need is two people willing to meet and pray, and you've got a prayer group. If you have more people than that, it's all the better. So what we did this time, we just kept it simple and made it all about prayer. So it's the rosary. We did the Divine Mercy Chaplet. We did the Seven Sorrows of Mary, and we read the most recent Medjugorje message, and we had sharing. That's it. It couldn't be simpler. And so... uh, just means to take the first step and let the Holy Spirit lead you. And as we see in the news every day, evil is strong. But we, on our side, have prayer, which brings hope. We are in the battle, and we need to be battle-ready, as your program title says. 
So what do you pray for? Does it change or is it always the same thing? It changes. Okay, so people uh, bring intentions? We bring intentions and of course as the world situation changes, those bigger prayers for you know mm -hmm. the country and the world change. And uh, you know we just uh, state our intentions in the beginning and then let it roll. Mm -hmm. And another thing that we're going to do, which we didn't do the first time, but we are going to start to do it, is we're going to pray over the sick among us. Um, many of the people who uh, are in our group are are have a lot of things wrong with them, and um, we're going to just pray for their strength, for their healing. Uh, God says in Scripture, Jesus told us when somebody's sick, you know, pray over them, put your hands on them, and so we're going to start to do that too. Well, it's uh, when we have these days like today, you know, it's a big feast day, solemnity. Um, and it's, you know, with this, especially when the church declassifies it as no longer obligatory because it fell the day after Sunday. Um, oh, I know. And it would be so hard for people to go to mass two but days in a row. But <laughs> for those who do go, it really does show they're coming out of love. Yes. Because it's not out of obligation. So that's a, a wonderful thing for those who do. And we, we're pre we were pretty packed today. It was probably just like a, a Saturday evening visual mass. Oh, that was good. We're going after this program. Uh, so it's but the, one of the things you know don't just go to mass spend time today contemplating mary in her heavenly glory because that helps us to understand that the earth is not our definitive homeland uh you know that was she had to get up there in fact this morning i was speaking i was praying and talking to jesus and he said he called today he said this is the solemnity of my mother's homecoming mm. he that's what he called it mm. it's kind of interesting right yeah uh, so I'm sure they're having a big party. <laughs> when I think of, you know, when I meditate on the mystery of the rosary, um, Our Lady's Assumption, I always think about it and I think, what must that have been like? Well, first of all, I always think of her crown of 12 stars. I, I picture that God the Father went out and actually picked stars out of the sky to put it in her crown. You know, mm -hmm. more beautiful than any queenly crown that we can think of on earth. Mm-hmm. So I always think of that. But then when I think of her ascending into heaven and being crowned up there, what an event it must have been. I, I can't even imagine. But, well, you uh, can't yes. because we don't know. It's so much better than here. And the, the word homecoming gives a, a connotation that I like, Yeah. that they, they've been waiting for. And, you yeah. know, co consequently, um, we, we can't lose our serenity and peace just because there's thousands of daily difficulties all over the planet. Um, you know, the sign of Our Lady going up to heaven shines out even more brightly when it's set with the backdrop of such darkness, right? Mm. So because it's so dark, her, her uh, luminous entry into heaven would be all the more brighter, particularly in these kind of days we're living through. So imagine that. And it's, it's funny because this morning when I drove over to the church at about 10 to 6, the sky was completely pink. Yeah. It was just the most amazing sunrise. Um, and, of course, pink is a sign of joy. Uh, I don't know if, if you've ever heard of this, but there's something called the last fathom of vision. Have you ever heard of that one? No. It was uh, years later. It was 1929. Uh, the Fatima visions were in 1917. So this is quite a bit later. Uh, two of the other visionaries have already gone to heaven. And this, this was Sister Lucia uh, living in a convent in Spain. And she had an apparition. 
It was June 13th, 1929. And I'll read it because it's quite interesting. It's actually of the Trinity. So as I read it, try and picture that. So she says, suddenly the whole chapel was illuminated by a supernatural light and a cross of light appeared above the altar, reaching to the ceiling. In a bright light at the upper part of the cross could be seen the face of a man and his body to the waist, which she says was God the Father. And on his breast there was a dove also of light, the Holy Spirit. And nailed to the cross was the body of another man, which was Jesus. Somewhat above the waist I could see a chalice and a large host suspended in the air, onto which drops of blood were falling from the face of Jesus crucified and from the wound in his side. These drops ran down onto the host and fell into the chalice. Our Lady was beneath the right arm of the cross. It was Our Lady of Fatima with her immaculate heart in her left hand, with a crown of thorns and flames. Under the left arm of the cross, large letters as of crystal clear water, which ran down over the altar, forming these words, graces and mercy. I understood that it was the mystery of the Most Holy Trinity which was shown to me. Our Lady then said to me, the moment has come when God asked the Holy Father in union with all the bishops of the world to make the consecration of Russia to my heart, promising to save it by this means. So, a number of things. This was 1929. Eventually, that consecration was done, as we know, um, most recently on March 25th of this year. Um, and again, it wasn't done explicitly the way she asked, but apparently it's been accepted. So Our Lady is standing under the right arm of the cross and the graces and mercy are pouring down like crystal clear water. So that's what's available to us. And apparently this was the very last vision that she ever had of Our Lady. Hmm. Yeah. Well, things got pretty bad in 1929. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so I'd just like to finish up with one more Medjugorje message, which talks about the victory. August 25th, the year 2000. Dear children, I desire to share my joy with you. In my immaculate heart, I feel that there are many of those who have drawn closer to me and are in a special way carrying the victory of my immaculate heart in their hearts by praying and converting. I desire to thank you and to inspire you to work even more for God and his kingdom with love and the power of the Holy Spirit. I am with you and I bless you with my motherly blessing. Thank you for having responded to my call. So she's very grateful if we join in the, in the victory and bring it about. Well, why wouldn't she be? Yeah. I mean, she's a woman of joy. I mean, she's also Our Lady of Sorrows, but... Um, you know, she's in heaven. I, I would imagine she can still feel sorrow for her children on earth, but it has to be overwhelming joy to be in the presence of the Trinity. So I would encourage uh, the listeners out there to get together with some of your friends and family and start some prayer groups and keep it going. Uh, you know, the more the more of us are doing it, the closer we are to the victory. And what day do you do that on? We started it on a Friday night, and I, th I think that's a good night for us here. Oh, okay. Yeah, and we actually, um, we did it at a couple's house, and the, the husband um, 
is quite debilitated and hasn't been able to go out very much. So it was actually good for him to have us come there. Mm. So it was kind of a win-win. Very good. Yeah. Well, enjoy this solemnity and uh, spend some time in prayer, thanking God for the gift of Our Lady and her uh, powerful intercession for us now and at the hour of our death. Amen. The Lord be with you. And with your spirit. May Almighty God bless you in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Have a great day. Thank you, Mom. You're welcome. This is Have Father a good day Dan too. Signing out. <laughs>